uh, just check in and ask genuinely, how are you doing today? Mm. And and sensing if something's up. Now, I'm not saying pry into people's personal lives. I'm just saying check in, be sense, be have, be curious, be interested in how they're doing. That's that's one thing. I know we're all super busy. Welcome to the Kingsley Grant Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. Kingsley believes his leadership paradigm, emotelligence, the art of succeeding where others failed, is the key to achieving this status. On this show, Kingsley guides you through the uncharted waters of emotional intelligence and leadership essentials, with the guarantee that upon exit, you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kingsley Grant, sitting behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another show. And it is from the show that's been voted number three on the top 15 podcasts on emotional intelligence by Spot. And so I am excited that you are listening to one of the top shows right now. And I'm in the command center of the Emotelligent Leadership Institute, where I'm going to dig into the vault and get today's show so that what you've come for, you will have. So let me reach in right here and get today's show. There it is. I got it. I got it. And put it down right here. And now we can dive into today's show. And on today's show, we are going to be talking about a word that somehow may seem that it does not fit when it comes to trying to get a toxic environment better, to, to cure it, to turn it around. And the word is respect. And, you know, whenever I, I hear this word, respect, I remember an iconic American comedian and actor by the name of Rodney Dangerfield. Do you remember him? Do you recall what his, he built his whole career on? And for the most part, it was a word respect. He was, he talked so much about how he never got respect. And he would have some one liners. For example, he would say, I was an ugly kid when I was born. After the doctor cut the cord, he hung himself. He also said, uh, in my life, I've been through plenty. When I was three years old, my parents got a dog. I was jealous of the dog, so they got rid of me. <laughs> Another one. When I what what a childhood sorry what a childhood I had. Once on my birthday, my old man gave me a bat. The first day I played with it, it flew away. And then he said, I told my doctor I broke my arm in two places. He told me to keep out of those places. One one last one. When I was a kid, I got no respect. When my parents got divorced, there was a custody fight over me. And no one showed up. 
<laughs> these were the one-liners that he had, and it was all around how he got no respect. And so when we are talking about today in this episode on the topic of respect, maybe, maybe it creates in your mind a sense of like, okay, well, how does respect or earning or gaining respect, how does that kind of go along with reducing or turn around toxic work environment? It almost seems like a paradox, right? Well, we're going to find out in a few moments because today we have a guest who is going to share with us three leadership skills. He calls them the respectful do's, he calls them, but three leadership skills or respectful do's to gain respect from your people as you seek to turn around a toxic work environment. And that's where we're going to go in this episode. But before we get there, let me say, if this is your first time listening to the show, thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate that. If this is not your first time you've been here before, thank you for returning. It means a world to me to have you with us once again. Because of you, the show is doing really, really well. And I again, I, I say thank you. And now for the last one I want to mention, if you have given me a rating and a review on Apple Podcast, thanks from the bottom of my heart. I've seen them. I appreciate them. And I will make note of that and maybe in a future podcast, give a shout out to a few people. But if you have not yet gone to Apple Podcast and left me a rating and a review, would you please do that today? Why? Because the more I of that I receive, the show is easier found by those who are looking for content like this, which you are enjoying. So again, go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a rating and a review. It could take about 30, 40 seconds and it's all over. So it's very quick, right? It's so very quick. And one last thing I've got to mention, and that is this show, as you're listening, is being brought to you by Kingspire Communications, where we help leaders turn toxic environment around, get better results through emotional intelligence. And that is what we do. Again, we do that through keynote speeches, coaching, consulting, and training. And you can find out more about that at kingsleygrant.com, kingsleygrant.com. Now, without further ado, would you put your hands together and help me welcome to the show our guest, Mr. Greg Ward. Thank you for joining me on the Kings of Grand Show, where leadership and emotional intelligence skills intersect. This show is designed for leaders who want to get better results from knowing what works and what doesn't work in today's workplace. Today, we have a special guest on the show. His name is Greg Ward. Let me tell you a few things about Greg and we'll fill in the rest as we go. Greg is an award-winning, best-selling author, speaker, consultant, and executive coach who got his start as a specialist trainer for the New York City Police Department. He is on a mission to help leaders and their organizations understand the powerful and measurable benefits of respect 
and respectful leadership. Greg, how are you doing today, sir? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Awesome. Where in the world is Greg today? Well, I'm in a town called La Mesa, just outside of San Diego, where normally it's beautiful blue skies, but today it's pouring rain, and I'm absolutely fine with that. Oh, that's great. Awesome. So uh, it's great to know that some people will probably die for even that, so we just take it as <laughs> we Good take point. <laughs> So, Greg, one of the questions I open the show by asking all my guests is, when you hear the word leader and or leadership, what comes to your mind? I think that's a great question. I think that when when I think of a leader, this is someone who doesn't necessarily command and control me, but rather influences me to go in the direction that they feel is best for us all to go. So sometimes we look at our leaders and we're expecting them to say, okay, everybody, here is your orders. Do this. You must follow this direction because I'm the boss. I'm the leader. But frankly, all the research that I've done over the years tells, tells me and my colleagues that most of us don't like to be ordered about. <laughs> most of us like to be given the, the goal or the mission and be told, okay, I trust you. Figure out how to accomplish the goal, accomplish the mission. Let me know how you're doing. That's what we're looking for in our leaders, to be able to influence influence us rather than command us. And Greg, what might be some of the benefits that a leader who chooses to take the path of influence rather than the command uh, path, what might be some of the, the benefits of doing that? Well, what we found is that if people uh, use influencing skills rather than commanding skills, most people respond to those very, very well. Now, sure, there's always a person on your team who just wants to be told exactly what to do. Roughly, from what we can tell, 10% of the population just wants to be given orders and told what to do. But approximately 85 to 90% of us would much prefer not to be ordered. And if we are influenced, if if, if suggestions are made, if we're uh, given other perspectives in a way that uh, uh, we can listen to and hear without being denigrated for our position, most of us will respond really well, and we will respect the person who is trying to influence us. Now, we may, we may follow orders uh, by the leader who practices command and control leadership, but we won't necessarily respect them. And when respect breaks down over time, what happens is most of us tend to tune them out. We shut down to leaders who, who we don't respect, and we might even find ways to sabotage them or just get the heck out of there, go find work somewhere else. So the positive benefits to influencing others as a leader are so strong and so powerful and result in a, a lot more loyalty, greater productivity, better performance. And I think most importantly, the word I love to use, better partnership. You know, I, I love the framing of that, Greg, because I think I, I'm hearing and seeing where if I had that kind of leader, I'm going to be more apt to want to perform better. I'm going to want him or her to win rather than trying to, to undo and sabotage what it is he or, tre- or she is trying to accomplish. So I like that framing. Thank you. Thank you. I think a lot of us have had the experience in our lives, at least if we've you know, been around and working for at least five to 10 years, of, of, a, of a boss who, who practices command and control. 
And for most of us, that can be really uncomfortable. And we we might be okay with it in the short term or when things are really dire and, and things have got to get done. And by the way, in, in the military and in the police where I used to work, yeah, command and control works. If we're in the middle of a firefight or we've got a house burning down, we don't have time to have a conversation, a respectful, influential conversation about what we should be doing. No, somebody's got to take charge and say, you do this, you do that. And that's completely appropriate. But when lives aren't in, aren't at stake, most of us respond much better to influencers rather than commanders. Do you find, Greg, that people who, even in those instances where there is a life and death moment where the direct order is is necessary, is important, that people who have built a relationship and somehow established over time are more likely to get that person to even jump in without any reservations because they feel like that person's really connected with them. Would that be true? I think you're absolutely onto something there. I think if you've got a respectful relationship with someone over the course of time where you respect them, they respect you, and there's this give and take back and forth, and you're willing at some point, if things get crazy, something happens, and one says to the other, look, just do this Mm -hmm. and make it happen, most of us will say, yeah, okay, okay, but if it's Every day, all the time, do this, do that, do this. Most of us are just we. It's tiresome, mm-hmm. and it and it it feels disrespectful. It feels like what we bring to the table is not valued, mm-hmm. and no one likes to work for a micromanaging boss. As far as I know, I've never met anybody who likes to be micromanaged. Neither have I. So um, you mentioned the word quite a bit, um, Greg, about respect and respectful bosses, right? So what would that look like? Um, for example, I know that I've worked on both sides as a leader myself, and I've also have been in a team where I was been, been led. What I find is that that person who, in my mind, I'm thinking, if you want me to respect you, you need to respect me first, right? So there's a give and take. So some people will say, well, you've got to show that first before you can get respect. I don't know what the science shows or the studies show. How would you... Uh, respond to that kind of thinking or that thought that's out there? That's a great question. I get it a lot. The the old saying is, you've got to earn my respect. And the problem with that from a leadership point of view is if, think about it for a moment. If your boss says to you, uh, you've got to earn my respect, my first reaction is, why? <laughs> why, why should I? Why, why don't you, you're, you spent money to hire me, you think I'm the guy for the job, why should I have to go out of my way to earn my respect? And by the way, what is it you do respect? Do you have a list on your forehead that says, <laughs> uh, I respect the following behaviors? No, I I actually think it's the leader's job to earn the employee's respect. Mm -hmm. I would turn that around. Any boss who goes in saying, you got to earn my respect, quite frankly, uh, they've lost my respect right (laughs) off the bat. Instead, if I have a boss who comes in, look, Greg, I don't know you, but I'm going to do whatever I can to earn your respect. All of a sudden, I'm like, holy cow, isn't that cool? Isn't that great? And scientifically, the neuroscience, what what he's, he or she has done, who said that to me, that they have to earn my respect, what, what they've actually done is triggered the release in my amygdala, you know, that, that uh, part of the reptilian unconscious brain where hormones uh, are released, or at least the signals to release hormones happen 
in the amygdala. The amygdala releases a little hormone known as oxytocin, also known as the love hormone. So it's not a big deal. But somebody saying to me, hey, you and I don't know each other, but I'm going to do my best to earn your respect. Suddenly my brain goes, oh, I like that. And it releases a little bit of oxytocin. And I feel good. I get this warm and fuzzy feeling like I've been respected feeling. And guess what? I am very likely to reciprocate that respect because respect is infectious. You know, I like that idea because I think a later really listening to what you just said can trigger like a almost a, a snowball effect if he or she decided that, hey, if I begin by saying I'm here to earn your respect in whatever way that's conveyed, that person immediately, like you said, right, that oxytocin that say, hey, okay, here's that hormone that make you feel like I want to like you better than I would have. So you start with that. I believe that's a win-win combination from the very get-go that would probably set the stage for that leader to get that person to release their passion and do their best for that person and the company, would you say? That is what all the research is telling us, and I know it's in complete alignment with your specialty, which is emotional intelligence. That's exactly right. Now, the key is for that leader to say, I want to earn your respect sincerely. They have yeah. to come from a, a from a place of honesty. I mean, all of us have what I call a good BS detector. When we know someone is saying something and it's the words are right, but there's this gut feeling where we go, oh, they're just shining me on. This is nonsense. And we don't we don't say it because it's our boss. But right then our respect goes a little bit down for them. And if they do it again, it goes down a little bit more. It's like the used car salesman who, who says your name just one too many times. You just get the feeling that they're not being sincere. They're just trying to sell me a piece of junk. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true, you know. And, and, you know, here's what I find, Greg, and you may, of course, seen this too, but where, you know, some leaders have to understand that their people can see right through them and pick up real quickly whether or not they're trying to you, you know, for their own benefit, use them for that, or they're truly trying to connect and let that person know, I'm here for you. I want you to be developed into the best version of yourself, and whatever I can do, I will do that. So when you mentioned the word also earlier, Greg, about the influential aspect through the respect lens, right? What might that look like? So the leader is saying, okay, how do I influence my people without intimidating them? How do I influence them by respecting them? What does that look like? I call them the seven respectful do's, the things that leaders can do and practice on a daily basis that will encourage people to uh, perceive them as respectful leaders. So one of the most simplest things you can do is check in with your people as a leader. Uh, just check in and ask genuinely, how are you doing today? Mm. And, and sensing if something's up. Now, I'm not saying pry into people's right. personal lives. I'm just saying, check in, be, since, be, have, be curious, yeah. be interested in how they're doing. That's, that's one thing. I know we're all super busy. I know how hard that is to do. But if you're this person who is struggling to manage all the tasks, your boss has given you this huge list of things to do. Isn't it nice every now and then if the boss comes over and says, you okay? Mm -hmm. Everything okay? How are you doing? Or how can I help you 
do the things that I've asked you to do. I mean, it, it makes people feel so good if you just check in. That That's one thing. Another thing that's really important is transparency. Mm. Uh, being willing to uh, be honest about what's going on. Uh, I, I would, I'm going to use uh, the CEO of Boeing as an example, because as you may have heard, he was released by his board today. When the whole crisis with the 737 MAX uh, um, took off, if, it, if you'll excuse the pun, what Boeing did and what he did was try to reassure everyone that this was no big deal. It was just a minor thing. We're going to be back in business within a matter of weeks. I know Southwest uh, was quoted as saying, hey, they told us within three to five weeks this thing would be sorted out and, they, and there'd be no more issues with the 737 MAX. Well, uh, we're now how many months? <laughs> we're almost, almost a year into this thing. And th those planes are nowhere near ready to fly. So what he and I would argue the leadership of Boeing did w was they weren't transparent. They were putting a they were trying to shine this thing up and put the proverbial lipstick on a pig. And you know what? I, I think after after a few weeks, everybody kind of said, now, wait a minute. Come on. Uh, this is just this can't be true. There, there's more to this than we thought. And uh, consequently, that's exactly what happened. So uh, I, I think they uh, by not being transparent about what was really going on from the get go. And I'm sure it was driven by legal considerations and PR considerations. But look at the brand now. Look at the hit the brand took because they weren't transparent and open enough to admit there's a problem here. We should shut down production immediately and sort this out now. Instead, they tried to say, nope, it's OK. And everybody picked up that that simply wasn't true. So transparency is extremely important. Now, of course, I'm, I'm not saying that you have to reveal the, the the secrets of what's going on and and tell them, hey, we're about to go bankrupt. Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. But you can say things like, hey, we're we're hitting a difficult patch here. We're doing our best on this. We're we're going to pay full attention to this, and we're stopping the presses. We're stopping everything to try and get a handle on this. We take it seriously. Those are the kinds of things that say to people, okay, they are taking it seriously. This is important to them. It's not just a flash in the pan. So transparency is another key aspect of being a respectful leader. And, and may I offer one more? Please, if that's I was okay. going to ask you, I was going to say, well, we have two so far, checking with them, transparency, and a third one would be great. Okay. So the one I love to talk about is um, shift happening. You know, shift happens all the time. And you got to get your shift together. And what I'm talking about is emotional shift. Mm. If you're a leader in any organization, chances are that on a daily basis, sometimes on an hourly basis, people are going to be coming to you with problems. There's going to be issues. Some of them are going to be big problems. Some of them not so big. But at the end of the day, if you're a human being, you're going to have emotional reactions to these shifts in problems. And your job is to manage your emotional shift. Your job is to take a deep breath. Your job is not to shoot the messenger. Your job is to say, okay, folks, let's stop, take a look at this, see what we can do, who's got some ideas, rather than saying, this is insane and ranting and raving and getting everybody all spun up. But too often we see leaders are just uh, 
being what they claim to be authentic and letting it all hang out? Well, no, you've got to be your best emotional self. You have to manage your emotions in an effective way. Sometimes that means taking a few deep breaths before you say a word and then moving on in a thoughtful, considerate, uh, non-attacking manner. Because who, who? nobody likes to be attacked when you bring up a, a problem to your boss. You want to be heard and hopefully you've got some ideas of how to solve it. You want to be uh, listened to and, and work together to solve a problem rather than being attacked for it. So I call it getting your emotional shift together. You know, I, I like that because, again, it's right up my alley as emotional intelligence, right? The whole self-awareness idea. And I think it's so important. And some leaders may who may think that, okay, that's, you know, I don't want to be emotional. Don't ask me to manage my emotions. They are really under, misunderstanding what you're saying because we all, every single day, are operating from our emotions, whether we like it or not. So that's I true. like the way you're mentioning, Greg, because sometimes these things come up and it come up at a most inconvenient time. And the leader who is able, as I'm hearing, to get their shift together will have a better chance of succeeding with their people. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes if you're lucky, you've got a few minutes to handle, to, to, to react to something. So if, 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 if you have more time than to take a few deep breaths, uh, you could say, hey, folks, give me a moment. And you could go outside, take a walk. Believe it or not, if you spend five to 10 minutes outside in, in what's called natural or full spectrum light, you'll get that into your eyes and it will brain chemistry will occur. You'll trigger the release of various endorphins and also so, uh, the release of naturally occurring lithium in your body. And, and you'll feel better, even if you just briskly walk around the building, even if it's raining or snowing, just get that natural light into your eyes. Because most of us don't get a lot of natural light unless we make the effort to get out of our offices, get out of those enclosed spaces, and get some light into our eyes. The, the other thing you can do, believe it or not, is uh, hopefully you've identified what, what I call a vent buddy. <laughs> now, a vent buddy is somebody you trust. Somebody who's absolutely uh, someone you can you can knock on their door or call them up and say, hey, I need five minutes. Give me five minutes. And then you walk in their office and they say, come on in. And you sit down and you go, blah, blah. <laughs> you, just, you just let it all out. And they don't say much. They do a lot of, mm-hmm, wow, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, wow. And they let you vent. And then when you're done venting, they usually say, how are you feeling? And I say, I feel better. Thank you very much. <laughs> and then you get back to business. A vent buddy, especially in leadership positions, is absolutely imperative for managing issues. Now, hopefully it's not somebody who knows who's on your team. That's That could be problematic. It should be someone who knows your business but is trustworthy, who will never share what you vent about. And it's likely you're their vent buddy as well. So I, I urge people to take a deep breath when they're trying to get their shift together, go outside, take a quick walk, or do jumping jacks if you have to. And the third thing is find your vent buddy, call them up, or go into their office and let loose for about five minutes, you will feel better. You know, um, that was, I appreciate you giving these specifics, Greg, because I think sometimes we tell people what to do, but do not at least give them a start how to get that going. You know, in my book, The Immortelligent Leader, I speak about these very same thing, that this is an immortelligent leader behavior. One who simply says, you know, I'm going to check in with myself and manage my emotions so that I can get better results for myself, but also for my team. 
Because isn't that what it's all about, right? Is as a leadership to do those things because that makes you a more effective leader. So I love the way that you are approaching this because I think a leader who's listening right now is somebody saying, oh, I could do that. But here's what I find, Greg, sometimes when you have a type A personality leader, because we tend to have more of those who, especially the higher they get, right, driven. And they're listening to this and they're thinking, man, you know, I just don't, don't fit my personality. What might be something you might tell them to to have them understand it's to their benefit to do this? Well, I would have them look at impact. If I was coaching them, I'd say, okay, okay, how do you usually respond in difficult situations? Do you, do you, or when problems come up, do you, do you shout at people or do you, or do you, some people will shut down and, and just sort of sit there stone faced. And, and my question will be, it's a very famous, simple question. How's that working for you? Now, if you're getting great results from shouting at people and uh, you've been able to maintain those high productive results over time, okay, uh, I guess that's what works in in your particular culture. But if you're finding uh, uh, people are avoiding you or if they're uh, pushing back on you in ways that uh, get elevate your blood pressure or just not getting the work done or not bringing problems to you, which we know is a big problem in leadership is when what is it they say there's there's no more lonely position than the person at the top of the company because nobody tells them anything. Yeah. So if you've got people who are so afraid to come to you because of the way you react, then I would say that's having a negative impact and you and you need to adopt some techniques techniques that are going to be much more positive impact on your people. And that's really a, a very great way. I believe that people who are even type A personality understand that very direct because they're more direct person. So I love that directness about the question, how's that working for you? You know, and yeah. yes, you might be able to get immediate results, but long term, is it sustainable? I doubt <laughs> it very much, right? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, you'll see this You'll see that kind of behavior in sales organizations. And there's a kind of, how shall I put it? There's a kind of uh, status quo. There's a, there's a, there's just sort of everybody kind of shrugs their shoulders and says, okay, that's the way it is in this organization. Uh, people come, people go, people make their numbers. And if they don't, bang, they're gone. And you know what? I've worked in that kind of an organization and I lasted, uh, I lasted mm-hmm. maybe three to six months. I, I couldn't do it. Even though I met my numbers, I was very successful. I'm very outgoing and very personable. And I, I could sell ice to Eskimos if you give me a chance. <laughs> the, the thing is that, that as soon as I met my numbers, well, my bosses would come down on me and say, okay, here's your new number that you got to meet. And, and, and they would be insistent that I had to meet it and they do the or else thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't meet it, mm-hmm. you're gone. And I would see my colleagues, this happening to my colleagues. So morale was really, really poor. Uh, I think that can work in the short term, but I don't think it's sustainable, especially if you've got a product that's supposed to last people for a long period of time. Uh, that, that, that It's just, un, un, as you said, completely unsustainable. Yeah, and that's really, I think I really love the fact that you are taking a different angle and creating a mission, a movement, so to speak, around the respect idea. So kind of tell us a little bit more about this movement. You know, you have a book as well. And uh, what is it that a person who may read the book is going to take away from that? 
Sure. Thank you. A long time ago, uh, you mentioned that I was a specialist trainer for the New York City Police Department. And I can be honest with you, when I was a kid, I didn't necessarily respect the police. I, I sometimes had a few run-ins. I wasn't exactly the perfect child. And so I, when I uh, got out of uh, college, I got this job uh training police officers using the skills that I had learned in college and also I was practicing in New York City, which was theater skills, improvisational skills. And they hired me to head up a team of actors, professionals who would interact with police officers and train them in what we now know is emotional intelligence techniques and how to de-escalate people who are upset in the public space and so on. Well, what I found out is that uh, being a police officer, you are subject to disrespect all day long. It is a constant. You have to develop an extraordinarily thick skin as a cop, uh, something I can't do. It's not it's not it's not for me. Uh, and and the best cops are able to let the disrespect roll off their shoulders because they're they're making their commitment is to helping people. Their commitment is to to uh, helping to uphold the law and make sure that bad guys get off the street and and you know what bad guys are going to disrespect them all the time. So that's where I got my start. That's how it all began. I suddenly realized that everyone wants to be respected. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, everyone wants a little bit of respect. And from there, as I grew older and as I worked with a lot of different organizations across the world, I realized that this is, a, this is universal. Respect is a universal idea. Now, it's misunderstood. It's therefore also linked with emotions and which in many cultures are devalued, especially many business cultures. And so what I came to realize that actually respect is much more powerful and impactful than any of us ever thought. And so I just made it my mission. I want to bring that to the world. And how do I do that? When I when I went to write my second book, I thought, how can I do that? And I realized that people love stories. I'm a storyteller myself. And so I wrote a story which is based on all the different clients and customers I've had over many years. It's set in a fictional company with very realistic challenges and problems and very realistic characters. And it's something you can read in about an hour and 10 or 15 minutes, and people seem to really love it. And so that's what the book's all about. It's a short story. You can read it on a flight. And then there's some few key points, but I, I literally wrote it to be an engaging and fun and interesting story first. And if you happen to learn things from it, that's, that's great. And where can people get, that, um, get the book? Thank you for asking. You can go to respectfulleader.com. Uh, you can go there. You can buy it on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. Uh, just uh, put in uh, the title, The Respectful Leader, and it'll pop up. And um, it's very easy to get. It's also available as an audio book as well. That's awesome. Um, Greg, I really appreciate the fact that you are taking this on and really leading in this area because I think it's very much needed. And doesn't matter what culture, in a sense, I think we're inbuilt that we want to be respected. And I think that there's really uh, you're addressing that. So thank you for the work you're doing. And so if people also want to connect with you, Greg, where would they, you send them to connect with you? I would send them to my corporate website, Greg Ward Group. Dot com and Greg is spelled with two G's at the end. It's all my mother's fault. So it's G-R-E-G-G Ward, W-A-R-D, group.com, all one word. 
Awesome. And I'll have the links with the notes that um, accompany this, this show so people can also link on that. But Greg, I want to tell you, it's an absolute pleasure to have spoken to you today, to have listened to you and hear your heart, but also the expertise and the passion that comes through to help all the leaders. And I, I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. And I want to thank you, Kingsley, for the contribution that you're making to the world. You are awesome. <laughs> thank you so much, Greg. And there you have it, my friend. I know that you get, like I did, a number of takeaways. A lot of useful information as Greg broke down for you and for me what it is that a respectful leader do. What are the things that they do? And and, and not only that, but how you as a leader can connect can turn around a toxic work environment, can build relationships with your people, and a whole lot more. And I don't want to tell you what it is you ought to take away because I'm only kind of spewing out some of what I got from this episode today. And I hope that it has brought you one step closer to your best hope. And so, my friend, thank you for taking the time to listen to this show, and I truly appreciate that. And one last way, as I mentioned before, well, two ways. You can go to Apple Podcast and leave me a rating and a review. I would greatly appreciate that. That really helps the show and people to find it much more easier. And one last thing I want to leave with you, and this is a way you could partner with me. If this show is bringing great value and is helpful to you, and you are, as others, or some are looking for ways of how could you show your appreciation even beyond just listening. Well, I have allowed, I have created an opportunity for you, my friend, to do that. And if you go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, patreon.com slash Kingsley Grant, K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y-G-R-A-N-T, patreon.com slash Kingsley Grant, you will find out how you can support and partner with me so that we can bring this show even greater, not only value, but also take the the quality of the show even beyond where it's at right now. There's some other things I would love to do on the show, but we are just kind of right now using doing with what we can, with what we have, and but I believe we can go to another level. And you could help me with that. And again, I do appreciate you taking the time to look into that as well. My friend, thank you so much, as I mentioned before, for being here today. Remember, you are one skill away, one skill away from your best hope. And we are bringing you closer and closer every time you listen to one of these episodes. Now, let's put this show back into the vault and securely place it in the the archives, right? So here we go, here we go. There it is. Now that this show is being put back into the vault at the command center at the Immortelligent Leadership Institute, I can now exit and say my goodbyes. My friend, with that said, peace out, God bless, and I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah.